Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Hey, I am uh, so excited about this message that God laid upon my heart to get us ready for Thanksgiving week. And at the end of this message, uh, we're gonna share in communion together. So those of you at a campus, you should have received the elements when you came in. If you didn't, they'll get those to you a little bit later. But those of you joining us online, uh, make sure you find some juice and maybe some crackers or bread that you can so you can participate with us as well. But Thanksgiving week is probably one of my most favorite weeks of the entire year. You got family and friends hanging out together, friends giving going on, uh, the football games on the TV in the room and, and homemade pies and cookies are coming out of the oven. It doesn't get any better than that, right? But what if it's supposed to be more than that? What if Thanksgiving is actually supposed to be our norm? Now, I'm not talking about the massive quantities of food that we're going to consume. That could be uh, problematic if that was our norm. But I'm talking about what's behind this week, an attitude of gratitude. See, it was an attitude of gratitude when the pilgrims gathered at that first Thanksgiving meal. Probably didn't look anything like this, but they gathered with the, the Native Americans back in 1621 to give thanks they were grateful for the amazing harvest that they had just experienced and they were thanking God for it. It was in 1789 that George Washington called for a day of thanksgiving in our nation to offer up thanks to God. And it would be Abraham Lincoln that would establish the fourth Thursday of the month of November as a time when our nation would stop and give thanks to God for everything that he has done in our lives. But an attitude of gratitude is not an American idea. The truth is it is founded in the word of God. There's a story in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke chapter 17, that I want us to look at today that I believe will help us grow in our gratitude. This is what it says. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered the village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. And he fell down at Jesus's feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one but this foreigner returned to give glory to God. And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go because your faith has healed you. Now I wanna unpack this scripture for us today. I believe there's some lessons and some insights, some things God wants to speak to you specifically about your journey of faith today. At the very beginning, it says this, it says Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem and reached the border between the Galilee and the Samaria. And as he entered a village, 10 men shouted out to him, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Once again, we see Jesus going into Samaria, a place where other Jewish people did not venture to go. They didn't want to, Jewish people didn't want to have anything to do 
with the Samaritans because they were considered a half-breed. They, were, they had intermarried with the Assyrians and had adopted some of their customs and religious beliefs. And so the Jewish people just viewed them as unclean and unworthy. So they avoided them, but not Jesus. See, Jesus always goes where nobody else wants to go. Jesus does what nobody else wants to do. Jesus always will meet you right where you are, wherever that is. And it says that the 10 lepers stood at a distance. Now, now the reason they stood at a distance was because they weren't allowed to get close to anybody. Because of their disease, their leprosy, they had to actually, if they saw somebody coming, they had to shout, unclean, unclean, because they were unclean. They had to identify with their problem. And they had to let other people identify them by their problem, which we're very good at doing with people. But notice when they called out to Jesus, they didn't shout unclean. They, they, they shouted something else. They had a vision for something else. They had a desire for something else. And so they, they shouted out at a distance, they stood at a distance and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Now when they shouted that, they did two things right. The first thing it says is they cried out to Jesus. Don't you know that you can always cry out to Jesus? No matter where you've been, no matter what you got going on, you can always cry out to Jesus. And sometimes that's all you can do. You're like, oh God, that's the only prayer you know how to pray. Jesus, have mercy on me. And let me tell you, when you cry out, that he hears you. He comes running to you like a parent that runs to a young child that might've hurt themselves right there. He is present when you call out for him. Maybe you gotta call out for him today. I want you to know when you do, he's gonna hear you. And he says, have mercy on us. Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? Man, if God doesn't do another thing for you, but show you his kindness and mercy, he has done more than enough for you. His mercy means that you have got what you don't deserve. And what you do deserve, you're not gonna get. You get grace and kindness and forgiveness, all from the hand of God. They cried out to Jesus, and the second thing was that they called him master. They said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And you may think, well, Todd, what's the big deal? What's the difference? And I would say, if you don't know the difference, you probably haven't called him master. Because a lot of people call him Jesus, but not a lot of people call him master. Well, when you call him master, that, that speaks to his place in your life, to his authority over your life his ability to direct your life. Master, have you, have you called him master yet? Have you given him control, not just of your life, but of every part of your life, every place of your life, every area of your life? The reason this is important is because later when Jesus tells them what to do, where they're supposed to go, they don't argue with him. They, they, don't, they don't debate it. They don't try to reason it away. Well, why would you want us to go there to the priest? When we, what we, they don't know. They just do what Jesus said to do because they called him master. So they're following what he said to do. Some of you haven't called him master yet. And you're holding on to some area of your life that you're not giving to him. And you're wondering why you're hobbling along, struggling along, all crippled up and diseased in an area of your life, it's because you haven't given him authority over that area. You've been justifying it, you've been rationalizing it, maybe you've been ignoring it and, and not really thinking it was that big of a deal because everybody else is doing it, but God actually wants to heal it. Jesus wants to speak to it today. Jesus wants to make you whole. 
but you've got to make him master over it. There's a, a young man in our church uh, here all the time, every Sunday, serving. He's on the dream team. He tithes, he gives 10% of his income. He reads his Bible, he goes to prayer groups, right? But there was one area that he had not yet made Jesus master over in his life. One area that was a little crippled and a little diseased and he had tried to keep it hidden from people. And it was his thought life. It was what he was dwelling on, the thoughts he was dwelling on, what he was allowing to, to stay in his head and, and, and he was allowing lustful thoughts to live there. And it wasn't until earlier this year, back in January, when he had what I call a master moment. Well, he said, Jesus, I need you to be the master over this area of my life. You, I've, I've surrendered all these other areas, but this one area, I haven't yet surrendered to you. And he made Jesus master over that area and he confessed it to some other Christian brothers and they came alongside of him and have given him accountability. And once he did that, can I tell you, Jesus began to heal that. And today, 10 months later, he's walking whole, he's walking strong. God has restored what the enemy was trying to destroy because he said, I need to make you master over it. I wonder if there might be an area in your life that you've tried to hide or push aside. And today you just need to say, Jesus, you're master over this area. It could be, it could be a relationship that you know isn't God's will for you. It could be um, an area of unforgiveness You've been holding on to that hurt or anger or maybe your finances or maybe your thought life. Why don't you say, master, take control of that area of my life today. And then Jesus looked at them in verse 14 and says, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now, the reason that Jesus told them to go to the priest is because once the priest would deem them as clean, he would offer a sacrifice for them and then they could return to their family and friends. But the only problem is, when Jesus said, go your, show yourself to the priest, they still had leprosy. They, they, they still were covered with open sores. Nothing had, nothing had changed. So they literally turned to go towards the priest in faith. Nothing had changed, they had to walk it out. They, see, Jesus didn't heal them and then say go, read your Bible. He said go, and as they went, they were healed. As they, took a, as they turned in obedience, as they took a step of faith, one step of faith after another step of faith, they began to be healed as they went. You know that when they first were told to go and they looked down and nothing had changed, they had to be thinking, this is crazy. We know what's gonna happen to us if we go to the priest with sores on our body. How do we begin to figure this out? Can I tell you, there are times when God is gonna ask you to do something that you can't figure out. You're not even called to figure it out. You're called to follow it out. You're called to walk it out in faith. You're called to, to trust him. There are times he's gonna ask you to do something and it's not gonna make any sense. When, when God told Noah to build a boat in a field and it had never rained, it didn't make sense. When God told Joshua, the Israelites, to march around the walls of Jericho for seven days, and on the seventh day, seven times, and somehow that's gonna, it didn't make sense. When God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, 
I'm calling you to leave your homeland, your country, everything you know, and follow me into a land I will show you. He did not even know where he was going. It did not make sense. Can I remind you that you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately? You don't have to understand completely in order to obey. You, if you wait until you understand it all, you're gonna miss out on what God is trying to do. Too many times we wanna see the big picture. We wanna see the full picture, but all God gives us is usually a little piece to the puzzle. Just one little piece. And that little piece, you can't even figure out what that is or where that fits or what that, but he gives you one piece because that's all you can handle right now. And when you take this one piece and you, that one step of obedience that God has for you and you trust him with that one step, then you're gonna experience what he has for you. See, so many times, we are waiting on God to do something for us and God is waiting on you to do what he's already told you to do. We're waiting on a miracle. God's waiting on your obedience. And when we do what he's told us to do, can I tell you, you're gonna walk right into the middle of the promise he's got waiting for you. These 10 lepers, they took one step of faith. It says, as they went, if they had not gone, they would have missed the miracle. They had to be walking in the way that Jesus said to walk or they would have missed out on the miracle that Jesus had waiting for them. But it was as they, as they went. I wonder exactly when it was. Like, like, like as they went, which step was it? Was it, was it this step? Which, 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 I don't think it was the first step. Because if it was the first step, Jesus would have still been across the street and they all would have gone, ah, right? But they didn't. And I don't even think that it was probably within the first few minutes because they would have probably turned around and all run back to Jesus and gone, what? It had to be as they were getting pretty close to the priest. It had to be once they were pretty close to where they wanted to be. I don't know which step it was, but I wanna tell somebody don't give up. It may be the next step of obedience that God has for you that he has everything waiting for you, but you gotta take that step of obedience. And I also noted that, that these guys had to move in a different direction than where they were going. When they encountered Jesus, they were heading someplace. We don't know where they were heading, but they weren't heading to the priest. And when they encountered Jesus, they couldn't keep going where they were going. They, they couldn't keep doing whatever it is they were gonna be doing because Jesus sent them in a different direction. He, he gave them a new destination. And I believe that God is calling some of you to move in a new direction. You've encountered Jesus but you've kept going in the direction you were going in and you're wondering why it's not working out for you because that's not the direction you're supposed to go in. Jesus needs you to do a U-turn today. He, he wants you to do a 180. He wants you, he's called you to a new destination. He's called you to set your feet in a new direction because you're not gonna find what you're looking for walking down the same path you've been walking, hanging out with the same people you've been hanging out with. All these guys found were a bunch of other lepers. That's all, that's all they found, people just like them. So Jesus said, it's time to step out in faith. And I'll change everything in your life if you'll just change your direction. So then in verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. Fell on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan and Jesus asked him, didn't I heal 10? Where are the other nine? Has no one else returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. I don't even have time to get into the original language of all the different 
Greek words on healing right here. But that last one is different. The other ones speak of a physical healing, but that last one, it's a different word in the Greek, sozo, and it speaks to salvation. There was something deeper that happened in this one that returned to give thanks. Now, as I was thinking about gratitude this week, it hit me that gratitude is not normal. It's not our normal response. Otherwise, you would never have to teach children to say thank you, right? But those of you with little kids, you know, it's like, what do you say? Here you go, what do you, what do you say? What do you say to the nice lady? What do you say to your mom? What do you say, what do you say, what do you say? You're teaching, we need to teach some adults to do that as well, but you gotta teach, you gotta teach them because gratitude is not normal. Gratitude is not our default response. No, our, our default response is usually um, criticism, critiquing, we can figure out what's wrong. We can walk into a room and see the 10 things that are wrong in the room. We can walk into a restaurant, find the five things that are wrong. They should change all that. Walk into a church, find things that are wrong. With our spouse, we can see the things that are wrong. With our kids, with our boss, find the things that are wrong. Because that's all we're looking for. In fact, we think we have a spiritual gift of finding things that were wrong. We're really good at finding things that were wrong. Nowhere in the Bible is that a spiritual gift. No, we're supposed to give thanks for what we got that's good. Because if you, if you focus on everything that's wrong, you're gonna miss everything that's right. You're gonna miss everything that God's doing that's, that's, that's good. Yeah, there might be some things that are wrong, but don't focus on the things that are wrong. Spirit of gratitude changes where you're looking. This guy had a spirit of, this guy was different. It says that when he noticed he was healed, he came back shouting. Praising is actually one of the words, in, the root words of that shouting. In a loud voice, praise God. He fell at his feet feet of Jesus, thanking him for, it was worship. This guy was in a full-on worship encounter right here with Jesus. I realized this week that, of course, you know this, gratitude is an attitude. Pretty simple. Gratitude is an, is an attitude. And your attitude is actually your choice. You get to choose. So that tells me that gratitude is a choice. You actually get to choose if you are going to be grateful and show gratitude to God, to your spouse, to your coworkers, to your kids, to your parents, to the neighbor. You get to choose the attitude of gratitude. And the truth, truth is, you have to choose gratitude all the time. I mean, all the time, you, you have to choose gratitude. Florida Power and Light expects you to show gratitude to them every month. And the moment you decide to not show gratitude, you stop showing gratitude, what do they do? They stop giving you power. Now, they might give you a chance to rectify the matter, get, set it right, they'll send you an email, they'll send you a piece of mail that says your gratitude is past due. And you can make up for some lost gratitude, some delayed gratitude, right? I believe that some of our gratitude is past due. Some of our gratitude to God is, is overdue. Some of us have been focused on the things that are wrong in our life, not going good in our life, things we wish were different in our life. We see something in somebody else's life that we wish was in our life and our gratitude for what God has given us in our life, for what God is doing in our life is long overdue. Our appreciation is overdue. Our worship is overdue. Our thankfulness is overdue. I've come today to pass out some past due notices for your gratitude and help you get caught up 
in your gratitude to God and to other people, all right? Look what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. In fact, why don't you say this with me out loud at all our locations and at home. Give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Leave that up for a minute. Give thanks in every situation. When I read this verse, I think most of us are outside the will of God when it comes to our gratitude. Because we give thanks when things are good. We give thanks when things are going right. We give thanks when we get the promotion. We give thanks when the bills are all paid. We give thanks when the doctor's report is, is good. That's when we give thanks, not, not, not when it's bad, but that's not what this verse says to do. This verse instructs us on the will of God for your life. It is to have an attitude of gratitude, to give thanks in every situation, in the ups and the downs, in the good and the bad. In the middle of the problem, you're to give thanks. Now, it doesn't say give thanks for. No, that'd be crazy. You know, you're not supposed to give thanks for the problem. It says give thanks in the middle of the problem. Stop and give thanks. Change what you're thinking in the middle of whatever you might be be going through. Give, give thanks in the middle of the problem. God, I'm going to give you thanks in the middle of this problem today because I know that you are right here in the middle of this problem with me because you said you'll never leave me or you'll never forsake me. So that means you are here with me. Hey, Lord, I don't know how you're going to get me out of this problem, but you've got me out of a lot of things in the past. So I can have faith that you're going to do it again because you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. That's who you are. So I'm gonna give you thanks in the middle of this problem because you are here in the middle of this problem. And I'm gonna see you show up in the middle of this problem. I'm gonna see you be faithful in this middle of this problem. And I'm gonna learn how to rejoice. And I'm gonna know you in a deeper way in the middle of this problem. Boy, when, when I express that kind of gratitude in the middle of a problem, it changes my problem. Because I'm not worried about my problem as much. Because God showed up because I invited him to show up. It, an attitude of gratitude changes everything. So I was studying it this week, I realized it can change you in three ways. Psychologically, physically, and spiritually. First way is psychologically. It'll, it'll change how you think. Gratitude will change how you think and what you think. Because you're not just looking at what's wrong, you're looking at what's right. You're not just focused on what's bad. Sure, there's some bad things, but you're not consumed with what's bad. Like, like there may be some bad things going on in your life, but not everything is bad in your life. So look at the good stuff in your life. Yeah, there might be some people that have said something bad against you, or come against you, but not everybody is against you. Focus on, on the good in your life. Give, give thanks. It'll change your mind. It'll change your emotions. There have been some secular studies done that prove this is true. This is from the Journal of Psychiatric Research, a secular organization that says the higher dispositional gratitude was associated with a decreased risk for post-traumatic stress disorder, major depressive mood disorder, social phobias, nicotine addictions, uh, suicide attempts. Gratitude was additionally associated with, listen to this, resilience-promoting characteristics. So gratitude was connected to optimism, curiosity, purpose in life, perceived social support. Even if you don't got it, you perceive it, right? And religiosity or spirituality, that just means God showed up. That's what they mean by that. 
Gratitude increases your happiness. Gratitude will change your mind. Gratitude pushes anxiety and fear and worry out. I love that these studies are figuring out what the Bible has been saying for thousands of years right here. Gratitude will change what you think and how you, you think. An attitude of gratitude will also change you physically. It'll actually change how you feel. Look at this verse in uh, Proverbs 4.23. Be careful how you think because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Would you say that with me out loud? Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. We talked earlier this year about the power of our thoughts and how the thoughts that we have playing over and over in our head actually affects our bodies. There was research done that showed that negative thoughts put on a repeat cycle, whether that's self-negative thoughts of, man, I'm no good, I'm no good, I can't do this, I'm not good enough, or unforgiveness towards another person, or anger at another person. When you play those over and over and over again, this report says that it releases negative toxins into your body that can lead to heart disease, diabetes, and even some forms of cancer. The same studies, though, found that cultivating an attitude of gratitude actually releases the hormones oxytocin and serotonin in the brain. Now, oxytocin is sometimes called the love drug. Hey, babe. It's called a cuddle chemical. It's a naturally released brain hormone that's involved with trust building, relationship building, romantic attachment that's released with an attitude of gratitude. So is serotonin, a key hormone that balances and stabilizes the mood and feelings, well-being and happiness. It aids in sleeping and eating and digestion. You are just going to change physically with an attitude of gratitude. It'll change how you feel. And the third and most important change that I see is that it changes you spiritually because gratitude moves you closer to God. Go back to our story for a minute. If you remember, um, all 10 of the men with leprosy got the healing. All 10 got the healing. All 10 were cleansed of their leprosy, but only one got Jesus. Only, only one guy got the relationship with Jesus because his gratitude, what did it do? It moved him to God. It actually literally moved him to the feet of Jesus where he worshiped. See, the real miracle here wasn't the healing. The the nine guys in this story actually settled for something temporary. The, The one got the eternal. Jesus had so much more for them than just just a physical healing that was gonna be temporarily experienced until they die. Jesus wanted to give them something eternal. Because see, it's in the relationship. They used to have to stand at a distance and then Jesus heals them and all of a sudden, they have free and open access to relationship with their family, with their friends that maybe they hadn't seen for years and most importantly, to Jesus. Jesus made a way so that they could come close. And you know, the same is true for each and every one of us. While we used to have to stand at a distance from God because of our disease called sin, Jesus made a way so that we could come close and know him personally and have this personal relationship with him. So so why would you want to stand at a distance? Man, come close to God. 
Gratitude brings you close to God. And for those of us that are already in relationship with Jesus, can I tell you, your gratitude to God is gonna bring you closer to God. Because it's, it's, it's actually worship when you think about it. Psalm 100 verse four says this, enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. That's what gratitude is, it's thanksgiving. It's praise, and when you come in, it's why we spend the first part of our service in worship. It's to help get you into the presence of God, to usher you in to God's presence that is waiting on you. That's why you don't wanna be late for church, right? And then you can do this at home, on your own, on Monday and Thursday and Friday, maybe the part of the first 15 minutes of your day, you are worshiping God, and what are you doing? You're coming into the presence of God. You're, you're, you're inviting the presence of God. As you worship and show gratitude to God, you're inviting his presence right into that place and that space. Gratitude moves you into the presence of God. It carries you there. So what about you? You're gonna stand at a distance? You're gonna be satisfied with healing instead of the healer? You're gonna be satisfied with some gift he gives you instead of knowing the giver? Are you actually gonna come close to Jesus? Let him change you from the inside. I wanna, I wanna challenge all of us this week of thanksgiving to actually grow in our gratitude. And there's a couple ways that I have grown in my gratitude through the years. Times when I've not been feeling very grateful, times I've been like that person that can pick out all the things that are wrong, right? There are a couple things I have to do to reset gratitude in my life and to grow in it. And the first is this, you gotta remember the good things in life. There are so many good things in your life to give thanks for. It could be your friends, your family, the food you had to eat this week. There are some people who didn't have food this week, right? You have a bed to sleep in. You have a, a, a house to go to today. You got a car to drive. That may not be the car you want to drive, and it may not be the car you're driving five years from now, but baby, you got a car. Give thanks for what you got. See, the more you focus on the good things in your life, the more you're going to see the good things in your life. And I'm saying that from, from my own experience. The more I start counting my little blessings, and I name them one by one by one by two, count your merit, all those little things in my life, the more I see the good that God is doing in my life. The more I'm focused on what's wrong and what's going wrong in my life, the more I see all the other things that are wrong. So start by remembering all the things that are good in your life. And the second is to remember the goodness of God in your life. You, you, you gotta stop and remember his mercy, his kindness, his gentleness towards you, that you have not received what you deserve, that his mercies are new every day, that there's nothing you can do to use up all the mercy of God. You have to pause this week. I wanna challenge you this week of Thanksgiving. You might be gathering around the table with family and friends. I wanna challenge you to take some time to remember the goodness of God in your life and specifically what Jesus did for you. God so loved you that he sent his only son to die on a cross that you could know him and be forgiven and live a life full of purpose and destiny. God so loved you that Jesus went to the cross for you. And so this week of, of Thanksgiving, the greatest way to cultivate an attitude of gratitude is to be mindful of the goodness of God. There's no better place than the communion table to be reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus. 
just a minute, we're gonna share in communion, but before we do, I wanna pray. I wanna pray because there's some of you today that you've been standing off in a, from a distance from God. And today, he's calling you to come close. For some of you, you haven't called him master yet, but in just a minute, we're gonna have a prayer and you're gonna surrender the totality of your life to him. And you're gonna see him step in and to bring healing and life to places in your life that have been broken and crippled and diseased. He's gonna heal that as you surrender it to him today. Some of you today, um, you just need to be reminded of the good things that you need to be thankful for. You've allowed frustration, anger, to kind of be the overriding emotion of your life. And the Bible says we're to be thankful in every situation. Would you pray with me today? God, we thank you today for your amazing grace. How sweet the sound. If there's nothing else we have to thank you for today, that is more than enough. Your goodness and your kindness towards us, we're so grateful, God. I pray that we'd be mindful of that today and this entire week. I also pray for those here today, God, that feel far from you. I pray you'd speak to them. I pray you'd draw them close. God, I believe this whole service was orchestrated just so they would not stand from a distance, that they would surrender their lives to you and come close to you. And if that's you, right where you are, I just want you to whisper this prayer in your heart. We're all gonna pray it, but you whisper it a little bit louder. Just say, dear Jesus, I come close to you today. Forgive me of my sins for going my own way. And today I turn to follow you, to walk in the life you have for me. Thank you for loving me just the way I am. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.